Welcome to the PSR Power Talk podcast, produced by Power Systems Research. Hello, my name is John Krasicki. Today's my pleasure to host the Power Systems Living on the Edge series, a show where we have conversations with industry experts on their insight into the future of intelligent technology. With my over 30 years of experience supporting the manufacturing industry, I have seen an unbelievable change in technology. One of the challenges of today is designing equipment used to manage all the power in the upcoming wave of data. Today's conversation will be around healthcare and the healthcare industry. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce our guest speaker, Carrie Getz. Carrie's the founder of Strategic IT Com, where she is a IT advisor to many companies throughout many industries. Just recently, Carrie was voted as one of the top most influential women in the tech industry. So welcome, Carrie. Thank you. So a lot of our clients and uh, future clients are dealing with how do you manage the future with autonomous and electrical vehicles, you know, being a part of the, the industry. And along with that, it's just not uh, vehicles. It's also smart buildings, smart technology. And in today's conversation, we're actually going to focus on the healthcare industry. So with uh, today's uh, guest speaker, I'm going to ask Carrie some questions around the healthcare, and she's got some experience in that healthcare space and uh, would love to hear what uh, she's, she's hearing and uh, how, uh, how we can uh, you know, take advantage of some of the knowledge that she has. So starting off, Carrie, um, the healthcare industry, just give us a quick overview of uh, what that looks like and why is things like uh, information technology, why is that important to the healthcare industry? So healthcare is kind of a multi-edged sword. So you've got the diagnostic part, you have the treatment part, you have the patient records, you have HIPAA requirements and regulations, you have all of the different modalities that go into the teleradiology side. And so healthcare is definitely a, a vast enterprise as far as information gathered, information used. And then of course, on the other side of that, you have the whole research, pharmaceutical development piece of that. And so there's a lot of data running around. You know, people think of the ideal careers, tech and medical are two things that are never going to go away. And more and more, we're seeing those two get really intertwined. Why doesn't healthcare use things like Google or Microsoft or AWS to store all that data? Why don't, why don't they push, it, push everything to the cloud? So I will say this. In my opinion, the cloud is a tool and toolkit, right? Sometimes you need a hammer. Sometimes you need a screwdriver. Sometimes you need a wrench. And getting things into the cloud there's no charge. The trick is once you have that information in the cloud, manipulating that information in the cloud and pulling that stuff out of the cloud, that's where the money comes in. And there are a lot of companies right now that are building edge data centers and working on edge compute models to repatriate their data because their cloud bills have gotten so out of hand, they really didn't expect the cloud spend to be where it is. The other thing is latency. So a really good example, if we look at from a teleradiology and telemedicine perspective, say somebody has is diagnosed with cancer. And the first thing they do, you know, they figure out where the cancer is, and then somebody goes and gets what's called a PET scan. So an MRI, a CT, they measure structure, a PET scan measures other things so they can come up with the hotspots and figure out where those tumors or, or where the cancer actually is. And then there's this process where you can combine those two and then you can give that exact location to a dosimetrist for the radiology and teleradiology. In order for that to work, 
in order to do that fusion, you have to use the raw images and it's massively large amounts of data. And so moving that in and out of the cloud would be A, expensive, B, a huge problem from a latency perspective, and C, you can't really rely on an internet connection when you have somebody sitting in a modality getting treatment. So there's a lot of those types of scenarios in healthcare where it's much easier to have it on site. Now that's not to say that they won't have maybe the HR system for the hospital in the cloud or some other systems in the cloud. But again, it's really just looking at the application and finding the right tool and the right toolkit for whatever they're going to use. But latency and just a vast amount of data is a big portion of you know, getting that data at least on site or close to on site. So you had mentioned uh, you know, a lot of data, a lot of information. What about the research or the biomedical industry? Do they struggle with the same same problem? Yeah, and you know, they, I would say, probably even a little bit worse because of the government regulations and all. So a lot of, well, partially government regulations, partially secret sauce. So let's mm. just be really clear. There is some data that happens in pharmaceuticals and research that will never hit a network much less a wide area network where other people have access to it. Um, there's also patient confidentiality. There's a lot of other things that come into play, but some of the stuff that you know for a fact just doesn't need to go out of your research facility, that's going to be on some lab network that's not even tied to the internet. And then when you do have supercomputing needs, in some cases, the pharmaceutical companies will take a load. They'll go out and run it in the cloud on a supercomputing machine so that it can do all the calculations and then they bring back pieces of it because obviously not everybody can build out a supercomputer. And so some of that is shared, but it's very, they're very specific and very surgical, pun intended, for <laughs> what goes outside or how that's calculated and where that data sits and resides. And, and it's constantly changing, right? So um, years ago I was working with the CDC when the swine flu came out and they were working on a project to figure out how big this thing could be. And you would be surprised, something very, very simple like a flight change. A flight change going into Atlanta, which is the busiest airport in the world, could have massive implications and ripple effects throughout the entire world. And so sorting this out, figuring out all of these you know, where does it touch? Where does it go? They ended up putting in some, doing some parallel processing and kind of building a high performance compute center themselves. But, you know, with without the ability to really reach out and get some of those compute resources from other folks, they wouldn't have been able to react, react as quick as they can. And again, that's another area where moving that stuff in and out of the cloud is just, it, it's cost prohibitive, right? So sure. people are building their own clouds, they're doing their own onsite, and then that alleviates a lot of those problems. You had mentioned supercomputing, so that kind of leads me into my next question. You know, we're hearing a lot about quantum computing, and uh, and along with that, uh, we also see a lot of stress on on power. Is the quantum computing a stress on that power? Well, it's going to be wherever they exist, right? Okay. <laughs> and I, and I think too, you know, we. <sighs> We really have some self-inflicted wounds here in the data center industry as a whole, right? There's a lot of stranded power because everybody wants to have power, and so that power sits there allocated and unused. And depending on the study that you read, those numbers are all over the board, but the infrastructure masons just did a study to really try to quantify how much power is supplied in this industry and unused. 
and that number is about 65 to 75 percent which is wow. really bad so you know trying to manage the power is definitely a big thing but when you talk about quantum computing and supercomputers you know we really have to look at not just the power consumed by that system but also the power consumed trying to cool the thing and so we've you know come up with different cooling strategies to do rear door heat exchangers on chip liquid cooling immersion cooling which takes some of the burden off the power on that side but they're still very power intensive machines i mean it's, it's not you're not going to run one out of a 110 outlet in your garage sure so tell me how vital the backup system is for healthcare you know, in terms of power well, i would say it's really kind of that way for everything but in, in certain cases in healthcare it's even worse because you do have patients and there's a life safety element to that right so you want to make sure that those systems don't go down when you have people in the middle of treatment or a treatment plan, for instance, right? What What do you do if somebody's in the middle of a modality, you, redeem, uh, you know, receive radiation and then your systems go down? So those are certain cases, you know, cases like that where you absolutely have to have that backup power. The trick is managing that backup power and figuring out, you know, if you're in a data center, if you're using DCIM to make sure you're using that power well. But also I think we really have to embrace where IT has gone from a resiliency standpoint, and I think in a lot of cases, we just assume that extra power is gonna solve downtime, and it's not, right? We have Our machines can fail over from one computer to another, and that resiliency is something we really need to take advantage of. So if we're gonna start monitoring power, we have to realize that not all of our apps require the same power, and not all of our apps require the same uptime, and not all of our compute requires the same power. So just going out across the data center floor and saying, all right, everybody gets 10 kilowatts of cabinet when realistically we know that, you know, you're using two and a half or three or four, there, there's stranded power there too. So you're stranded power, not only on your primary leg, but on your secondary leg. So I think, you know, that, that backup power is definitely something that is really important to have. And it is part of your uptime, part of your disaster recovery, business resiliency plan, we have to manage how we support that power and how we allocate that power much better than what we do today. Okay. So coming right back full swing, how does the healthcare fit within the smart community, smart community environment? How do you see that moving forward? Well, I think that a lot of the healthcare is tied into community services and being able to pull those together is a great thing, right? We want to make sure that we can disperse ambulances and we want those ambulances to go around traffic and know they can get there in the in the right time frame we want to make sure that when people come in we've got active health history and we can do things like that i think we have a long way to go as far as a cohesive singular medical record which is probably the biggest frustration i think with the healthcare system that you have to repeat your medical history to everybody everywhere you go <laughs> so you know there's some low-hanging fruit there for sure but the uh you know having all of this tied into communities where the communities can respond and then think about some other communities right think about the poor guy that's sitting in the middle of montana in winter that now needs health care he can't just drive up to a hospital maybe the roads are snowed in and i think we're seeing more and more telehealth we're seeing more and more remote devices where people can be active participants in their health care but from a remote location and so now start tying that into city services like fire and ambulance and all of those kind of things. Some of that diagnostics could technically happen before the ambulance ever got there. 
And I think as these technologies mature and what the information we can feed back and forth and once we get to a better healthcare record, I think we'll see more of this tying into cities and communities and what we do and, and certainly tying into the hospitals. And I think that everybody deserves healthcare and everybody deserves to have that healthcare facility within reach. And if there's not, then we have to sort out some of these other options. But, uh, you know, rural hospitals have definitely suffered. They've suffered a lot through COVID because they couldn't do um, elective procedures, which is where a lot of them make their bread and butter. They could only take in certain types of cases. And, and so a lot of the rural community healthcare systems have shut down. And being able to have some of those systems remotely is, is good for those folks, but it doesn't solve the problem that really, I think, edge data centers and bringing that those smaller hospitals back into the equation is going to is going to be key moving forward. So would you agree with the statement that, uh, that our aging infrastructure really needs a heart transplant? It needs a swift kick in the upgrade. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Dude, and, I, and that's across the board. I mean, that's our air traffic control systems all the way down to our healthcare. And and there are some healthcare systems that are very well funded that do exceptionally great job of diagnostics and and have all those tools. But you know, from the from the rural perspective, getting those treatment centers and getting that diagnostic equipment closer to the people that actually need them is is certainly key. Okay. Well, Carrie, you know, as, as always, this is very uh, beneficial, very helpful, and, you know, I always learn a lot when I talk to you. Thank you for your time uh, today, and uh, look forward to having more conversations around Living on the Edge, and uh, I hope you have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thanks for having me. To read a transcript of this podcast, visit the PSR website at powersys.com and click on the podcast archive. Thank you for joining the PSR Power Talk podcast. This podcast will be available on demand. Search for PSR Power Talk in your podcast app or Google Power Systems Research to sign up today.